Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by Bodybuilding.com. I bought some hydroxy cut when I was in high school. Tried to lean out a bit. Got some serious bowel problems. Didn't lose a pound and had the worst gas of my life. That's unhydroxy cut. Not Bodybuilding.com. It's funny, I say every episode was fun. I, I hope there's, you know, there have been episodes that have not been fun, but they've been good nonetheless. Some have gotten tense, man. Some have been uncomfortable during. Sometimes people will say stuff and I'll just, I'll just think to myself, whoa, too much, too heavy. Today was not one of those days. This one was a fun one. Sumatra Galkar has an album on Spotify, probably on iTunes. Go pay for it on iTunes. Go support the homie Sumatra Galkar. Go buy or listen to on Spotify, the mispronunciation of Sumatra Galkar. We're talking about free speech today. Um, I use one of my favorite words that I'm not supposed to use. I, I was gonna bleep it out, but then I'm like, you know what? Let's talk about it. Email the anecdotal experience at gmail.com. I don't bleep out this word. Tell me what you think, and listen to Sumak's album, and love me anyways. Up like the Facebook page. This is even better than when I've done radio. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't think they ever gave me headphones at all. Really? Yeah, they were just like, oh, whatever. What's just your... Chuck, okay, what's your like, experience like doing Doing radio? radio? Yeah. I did it one it's, time. No, like morning radio? Yeah. It's awful. Because my personality doesn't match up with what they're about. Yeah. So they're all, well, well, well. And I'm just like, look, I just am very... <laughs> I'm just very low key. Right. And usually I was coming on to promote either the comedy festival we were doing or when I was promoting my album recording. Yeah. That's when I went on like the morning zoo. Right in columbus and again yeah like they were nice well at least one of them was nice yeah but what are what are we talking about it's all like do some of your bits which that's not gonna be do they really ask you to do that yeah i mean anybody even if a headliner rolls in for any weekend at a club like that's what they want you to do they want to they want to throw you a question and then that question is really you doing your bit yeah to sell one of your jokes that makes it appealing somehow for people to want to come that weekend to the right. club like they're gonna hear that yeah. one joke and be like i like that little taste right and so <laughs> i mean look it's a great skill like comedians that are good at that have to do potentially as right. headliners but for me as just like a local comedian going on to morning radio anytime i did it always something awkward would happen like the yeah. dj would say something that I thought, I was like, what are you doing? This yeah. is completely kind of out of line. Yeah, or you have just, to have these really inorganic conversations. You have to know what to do. Right. I yeah. mean, they're skilled at what they do, but what they do is not my style of comedy. They're so good it's at not, horseshit. Right. And they're good at just a totally different voice intonation and totally different type of comedy that's right so a lot of times bad they yeah i mean (laughs) i mean people like that's what's crazy is people listen i don't think they do people well do you think when i i was shocked by the number of people that are like i heard you this morning blah blah so it's like i think just people drive into work and they're like whatever 
I'll keep this on, or it's on in the background where they work or something. I have no idea. There were people who know my comedy and have come out to shows and are people who I wouldn't have imagined listen to this, but yeah, they were like, oh, I heard you this morning. So I think really? it's just like, I think it's just background. I think it's just, this is the number one morning show in Columbus. Okay. Yeah, I'll just put it on the background and then they'll play like a Taylor Swift song. I'll feel happy right. on my way to work or whatever. It's just noise. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a background thing. All right. And well, then also, I don't know how, I've always wondered how effective it really is. I just think it's this thing that's been going on for two decades that comedy clubs have been doing. Yeah. And I don't know if people actually come out, because even if I'd have coworkers be like, oh, I heard this comedian on the radio this morning, and yeah. we talk about it, and I usually know who they were talking about, because I knew who was at the club that weekend. It wasn't like they were like, oh, I'm going to go. They were just like, oh, that guy was funny. Like, okay, was this even working? Because the whole point is for you to be entertained by him, that you'll go see him that weekend. Yeah. Like, you'll drop what you're doing, tell your husband, like, oh, this would be a great date night, or your wife, or whatever, and then right. you do that. But I don't know if that's what people are even doing. That's what, that's like the thing that's so difficult is what you described on any sort of level is predicting what people are thinking and what's working and right. do because you're trying to come up with these scenarios where the wife is says honey the comedian on the radio was funny let's go to the show tonight right does it happen no yeah i no don't no one does i don't think and if it does like there's no statistics from anybody showing this yeah. i don't know so I I think it's kind of one of those things, like in the same way that Facebook events are for us, where it's like, well, we got to put it out there because it's a promotional thing. Right. But how effective is it really? We have no idea. I mean, the, the numbers of people that say are going and interested right. never reflect what actually happens. And in fact, there are people... Like with my show, there are people who come when, like, you didn't interact with the Facebook event at all. Right. Whereas, like, the goings, like, zero of them showed up. You know, so it's very bizarre. It is very bizarre, and it is funny what you really have to do. And kind of like what you did at when I, I went to your show, mm -hmm. was you, you like, kind of have to just make sure you go up to people after and say, hey, thanks for coming. Also, how the hell did you hear about this thing? Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and then you kind of hope okay, they enjoyed it, they'll come back next month. Right. Or something along those lines. Like, I know here in L.A., people will have mailing lists, and that can help for sure, but, you know, that can easily turn into spam to people also. Oh, it's, And they unsubscribe yeah. right away or whatever, but... I think the most important thing to think about... I don't know, what do you think of this? I think the most important thing to think about is what would get me out? What, like... Because people don't do that a lot. They don't think like, okay, what could I hear this person on the radio say that would convince me to go to the club on a Friday night? Or what could I, or like a Tuesday night book show, your show. Right. Like if, what could I see or do or see like that would drive me to be like, oh, what a great, this is what I'm going to do. Cancel what I'm doing. Or maybe I'm not doing anything. Netflix is awesome. People want to just be home and do Netflix. Right. So what can you do to get get a butt in a seat you know yeah and at least i try to think like you said from my own perspective as a consumer yeah so when i'm putting this stuff out there i'm trying to think oh what would make me yeah what? because 
not that sounds self-absorbed to say like I'm my own ideal audience member. You're but, a person, but yeah, like yeah, I don't want you know necessarily morning zoo esque people. Right. If they're like, that's all I like is shock humor or something. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, this isn't going to work. You're not going to like my show in a bookstore right. or in a theater or art space or wherever I've put on shows before. So there's a certain type of person that we'd want to come out to these shows who is open to comedy and a certain type of comedy. And I think just an open-mindedness to it all. So when you're doing that, that even comes across in how you're putting it out there too where i think as a consumer it's like if you're hitting me over the head with your show yeah constantly i I, you've annoyed me now even if i was interested in it right you know what i mean and same thing with all advertising right yeah yeah. um and it depends it depends about how interested you are in the product to begin with so right if you really love a certain company's products then you're fine with it because you're seeing new exciting things potentially yeah you like it right like show me more Um, yeah yeah. but you know i've talked about it with other comedians too because like they'll post especially when i was in columbus like they'll post here are my shows for the next week or two okay and i go look if i'm just me and i don't know anything about comedy i'm just your friend i met you out i always said i want to come to a show yeah like, I have no concept of any of these shows of what's worth coming to. You've just given me a list of a bunch of shows. All so right. So that's where, especially if you run a show and that means a lot to you, or there are shows where you're hoping to make some money off of it, that's what you should be prioritizing, especially yes. if you're in a small market. Right. Um, and that's where I think, again, that's the self-awareness of trying to know your audience or who you're trying to grab right that's why i don't i'm wondering when comedians are posting some stuff is like are you just posting this to be like i got all these shows flexing right or are you posting it because you legitimately want to get people out to shows it's a different thing like in certain ways when you're in a bigger city or you just move to a city i get it you're trying to just say i got booked on stuff Right. That's acceptable. Yeah. But I think when you, like in my case, when I had established myself in Columbus for so long, it was like, I've exhausted a lot of people of comedy. Interesting. So of the people who truly do enjoy what I do, I'm not going to tell them to come out to some show I'm not running. Like part of the, you're part asking of the, a favor. Yeah. In a certain way. I mean, yeah. they still love my comedy. They still love the other comedians well, in you're Columbus. Great. Yeah. But, <laughs> but they still like, I still understand there's only so much of that they want to consume yes uh they have other things going on in their lives and that's why when i did record my album i think it was as successful as it could be because there were a lot of people that just hadn't seen me in a while right or that were super supportive and like this is a really important one i'm gonna be there and you know in the lead up to that the three months leading up to that show it was also about just throwing it out there as right. much as possible and promoting it in a lot of different ways. You saved your favors. Right. In a way. In a certain way, yeah. You're like, because I did that too with that Nobody Loves You show I did in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really tell people when I'm doing comedy. I'm not like, come out to this event because I know it's the boy who cried wolf, right? right? It's the boy who said, hey, come to my show. All right? Like, come to this show. Come to that show. Pretty soon all of his friends are like, I'm not going to go to any of them because there are too many. 
So I saved it, similar to you with your album recording, probably mm-hmm. to a way lesser degree, but this was the one where I was like, hey, you know how you're always saying you want to come to a show and I never really tell you about it? I'm like, because I'm saving it. If you're going to come, this is two months out, come to this show because this isn't going to be five minutes of me. This is all night, baby. This is the one to experience. Right. I'm calling in the favor. Yeah. You know, like you need for the album recording, you need a crowd that is ready to see Sumat. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't exactly want to look at it that way of like a favor involved in it. But yeah, at the same time, it's just, it's just, but there were some people in Columbus who really just enjoyed coming out to comedy on a really regular basis, which was fantastic. Right. But I also understand being involved in it. I mean, there's so much, even my friends who were musicians, it was like, I'm not going to come to every single show you have. Right. So that was the thing. When they had their album release party or something like that, yes. that was the show I was at. Because I'm like, I'm going to watch you perform, and then I'm going to buy your CD, and this will all be great. Right. You know, so. I'm coming out to support you, and this is the time. This is when you're calling in the favor. Right, right. It's, yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, your friends obviously like because there's the different, how do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. There's, you know when you've really gotten good at something, when there are people that you don't know that want to see you. Yes. They know your name, and they're, but they don't know you. Yes. That's you know? a good, yeah, that's a good indication. Yeah, do you feel like you've kind of gotten there now where people... Yeah, but yeah. again, that took a long time. I mean, I got there in Columbus just locally to some extent. Yeah within a few years or whatever it might be but now yeah especially after releasing the album weirdly enough yeah those two years since it's expanded to a much bigger level of just being contacted kind of under the out of the blue sometimes right by people across the country or even i said the indian south asian community which it's like i never particularly targeted myself right to those people but uh, they're reaching out, and it's very nice. I appreciate that. Do they really? Yeah. It's, I don't know. I mean, and I'm not It's your the demo, most, man. It, it is, and yet it isn't, because I'm not the most, I suppose, Indian of comedians. Right. Like, I don't necessarily, it doesn't consume my act that I talk about yeah. that topic. There's a little bit in there, sure. But... And that's why if I do some of these private events with Indian crowds, it usually goes at least okay because I know what I'm doing. And you but are I also, Indian. Right. <laughs> but I also am like, I know there are other Indian comedians out there that are better. That like, do let this me talk way about more Mumbai. Often. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're just more suited to like what that crowd right want white people be like (laughs) (laughs) not necessarily that but just kind of being capable of because you've got a mix of people like me who grew up here and were born here right but then you have my parents generation also Mm -hmm. and that's what's difficult is some of them get what i'm doing but some of them are just like we don't really even interact with stand-up comedy to begin with right and now you're telling us like a long minute and a half story about something that we have to follow along with. And right. We just can't hang. Right. We can't keep an attention span to go that long. Yeah. It's something along those lines. And even just about the type of comedy that my parents' generation interacted with in India. 
yeah had nothing to do with stand-up and stand-up is now a relatively new thing in india do you see people like okay you did that you did a part of a festival in the bay area Mm -hmm. which was um like not indian but south asia yeah like a south asian comedy festival yeah so still primarily like indian comedians pakistani comedians right uh, bangladesh so were there people there though that you thought okay this guy could connect with someone like my mom and dad sure. this guy really i mean there there are comedians i know um from you know doing it longer than i have right. that just they 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 do those crowds way more often than i do yeah right so they've gotten good at that yeah and their comedy is maybe quicker more making fun of cultures, right. things like that. It's like offshoots of what Russell Peters yeah. did that got Russell Peters famous, right? Yep. Like what Russell Peters does now isn't necessarily what he did like 10 years ago. And that's good. That's yeah. progress. To I think he's being who he wants to be now. And that's why it's funny because even my uncle is like, oh, I saw Russell Peters' show recently. It's too sexual now. I'm like... I don't know what to tell you, but I think right. he's doing what he wants to be doing, which yeah. is great. And he has a huge fan base, so he should. So you think he got his fans by doing... It's almost like we... I think accents just cut through all cultures and stuff. If you do like an accent, you're making fun of someone. But I think it cuts through any sort of language barrier and stuff. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty relatable. I don't know. It makes people laugh. It does. I don't, I don't do it, and I was pretty adamant about not doing it from the get-go. Okay. But Good on you, by the way. Oh, thanks. I'm, I mean, I'm proud of you, man. I don't... It annoys me if I see it, especially out here in L.A., but I don't get really... I'm not going to get mad at another comedian for doing it. Yeah. But in that realm, like, when Russell Peters did it, I think, first of all, he like mastered it in a certain way for what stand-up was right and he was doing it back in like the late 90s early 00s and then this one few videos from some special in canada i think just exploded on the internet and that's how he got really huge yeah but then to me as as another indian comedian it was like it's just been done now like he's the best at it he's the most popular at it so what is the need to be trying to do that? You'd just be replicating. You'd be a B, like a In a certain way. It was, alri- it was already yeah. a replication in a certain way that I didn't find much merit to. Right. You're just making fun of an accent. And personally, I feel like an accent that white people have been making fun of us for for a long time. Right. I mean, th- those were the types of things I got made fun of as a kid. Yeah. So why would I, in turn, embrace that? In and first of all, again, like in starting in Columbus, it's not like I'm surrounded by Indian audiences everywhere I'm going. Yeah, no, it'd be a different thing if okay, you're doing the accent for a crowd of other Indians, they get it, they're laughing along with you, right? As opposed to I'm performing for mostly white people, sometimes in small towns where literally the only Indian people own the hotel or whatever. I don't, that's not a good representation. It's only affirming what little knowledge they already have of Indian people. They're saying Indian people are silly. Let's all laugh at them. Yeah, it's, you know, their only knowledge was Apu or other characters from films that use those accents. 
Right. So you're only just reaffirming what little they know. Yeah. About Indian people. Right. So I was, and that, again, having grown up in Ohio in a predominantly white community, yeah. I was kind of aware of that growing up. And so then knowing, okay, you're going to now be getting on stages and telling jokes to people that are primarily white audiences too, you know, what you're doing matters. Yeah, people are watching. how they perceive yeah. you. So, yeah, I mean, I was... Did you get bullied? Yeah, but it wasn't horrible. Okay, yeah, so, but still. But you get that kind of light racism or ignorance or a lot of the the go back to india the indian accent right the apu type stuff it's like yeah. con it's um condescension yeah and just pure stupidity right for like like i just don't know any better so i'm gonna say this to you and i think it's funny right or just i'm gonna say this because you know i think lower of you yeah i'm bullying you or makes me feel better be. yeah yeah whatever it might be. yeah i don't know what it is man but i will i don't i don't know but like i'm not perfect and i do think like when i hear someone do like a chinese accent or like a russian accent or whatever it makes me like there's something there where i'm like man it's it's a bad part of me but i find that super funny do you know what i mean yeah when someone just does a silly accent or something like that i'm just like it's funny. I don't like that I think it's funny, but, but who's just... doing it? I think that matters. Too. Oh, yeah. Because certainly at Mike's or something like that, you get a completely inexperienced comedian trying to do that stuff. Yeah. And it's awkward, uncomfortable, and to me it comes off as I think like have you even met an Indian person or a right. Chinese person because you're not interacting with comedy in the right way in yeah. the way you've presented this i think it's a different thing that compared to robin williams doing any accent you know yeah, what i mean okay, where yeah. like holy cow this guy's just a really skilled comedian and actor and just insane man yeah where he's switching through these characters and he's just really good at it so it's like i, I can guess. let that slide because it's not bottom of the barrel. It's not just doing this shitty impersonation. Yeah. It's someone actually coming up with a character that's good enough that you can believe it as a real person. Right. And it just depends, man. It's a really complicated it thing. Is. And it's only getting more complicated because some people are getting too offended by the littlest things. Yeah, it really kind of... this yeah. topic. So... Yeah, you're right. And it, it does, it kind of, there, now it's it's still, it's back to like the boy who cried, I'm offended. Because now it's like, people are saying really, like really hurtful things. Mm -hmm. But people are like, oh, you guys are just pussies. And it's because people have said, I'm offended at like someone making a like fried rice joke or something like that. Right. Which isn't hurtful, but then someone will say something with the intent of hurting, and they'll be like, well, you got mad when I said the fried rice joke. Right. You know? It's, it's just really complicated. That's the problem. And yeah. it's getting put in both sides as being something much 
more simple like exactly what you said yeah there's that flip end of going well you don't have the right to be doing any joke about fried rice yeah right you don't get fried rice in nope. fact you just saying fried rice offends me it probably so, would yeah yeah like there are people that probably heard me say that and they're <laughs> yeah, like right. dude don't even don't you shouldn't us there. Yeah, know? we don't even know the fried rice joke, but we're already offended right. by what the possibilities. The, the thought that I could that I've thought about it. Yeah. Is means I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. You know? So Yeah, man. It's a That's why one of the things I wrote about recently was about free speech. Okay. In comedy. And it's become a term that or a concept people are just using to defend the worst things in comedy that they can say. Okay. And my whole point behind why I wrote it was just to say, you know, no one's trying to take away free speech. They're merely trying to improve your free speech. And as comedians, if you want to believe that we're on some higher level and whatever. Yeah, I know you're saying as philosophers Artistic, or whatever blah, yeah, 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 that some people want yeah. to push themselves out as, then you have to understand that you have a responsibility in a lot of ways as a comedian then. Right. So some of that responsibility has to be your language, your sense of compassion, your ability to deliver these jokes in the right way. It's for audiences. Yeah. Uh, that people don't get. I mean, mm-hmm. you can look at whoever, Louis, Stanhope, right? any of these people, I was like, they are just really good at stand-up because they've been doing it for decades and really honed into being capable of talking about some of the toughest subjects, but delivering it in a way that you completely understand that they can provide this criticism in a right way, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they just they just deliver it perfectly that you're not going there like what a racist guy like you're just yeah. going no he's observed this in a really intelligent way and he's delivering it to you and even in the way it's all set up he's making sure that there's not a way you can come at him or be critical about it yeah and i also think it's the confidence to know that these guys have the confidence to know this is how I feel, and I believe I'm still a good person. I believe I'm um, not being offensive, and I believe I'm not hurting anyone. But I believe this is the way I feel, and I believe I'm good. You know, there's right. no. So I think when you don't, when someone has that level of shame, when they say something where they're just kind of like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That's that reflects back in them that they think that they're racist mm-hmm. or they're misogynists or something like that. Right. So I think the fact that those guys are like, you know what, I'm good, but this is the way I see the world, mm-hmm. and they don't backpedal. They don't. Well, you know I, I, but I also think they've experienced more of the world. True. So that's where it's coming from. Like I can see that from how they just presented it to me. Yeah. Whereas there are other people that probably inspired by these types of comedians yes. who think they have the capability to do that. And it's like, no, you haven't seen enough of the world to even be able to deliver that. Right. And then, yeah, just on top of it, you're not that good of a comedian. Yeah. You know? I do. So 
you're not that's where and yeah. that's where okay so then you deliver these bad jokes or maybe the concept has something to it but it yeah. you didn't deliver it right and you can't get angry when people go hey you did this wrong yeah and that's what's happening is people are just going hey that wasn't the best way of doing it yeah here's the right here's what's better or here's what at least can make you be more compassionate or mm-hmm. a better approach or to seem this. seem right yeah and they're not they're going oh no like i have my freedom of speech or yeah you know they're just not willing to take that and it's not even it's not criticism exactly it's just the idea of there's a way of better approaching this right. so that you wouldn't be alienating an audience entirely. Yeah, them or getting defensive, just, though, and right. saying, hey, no, 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 I'm okay. But in reality, it's just someone saying, hey, to a lot of people, you seemed like a real asshole. Right. And we're just trying to help you not, yeah. you know? Yeah, I see that all the time, though. Yeah. it's But you're right. It or is also that. just the willingness to go okay, that wasn't a good joke. Right. You know, you don't even need to apologize, depending upon the situation, I guess. But just go, well, that wasn't good. It's done. I'm not even going to try to pursue this now. Yeah. Maybe years from now. Whatever. It doesn't matter. That's that's a whole other element I don't understand. I mean, I can tell you jokes I performed once at a mic, and I just go, this is going nowhere. Right. I'm not doing this again. Right. And you go back to the drawing board and you start writing something else. Yeah, especially if someone does. I think that's weird when someone like does a joke. And not only is it bad, but it's also offensive. It's also alienating. And then I'll see someone do it. And then I'm like, oh, they're about to do that joke again where they say the N-word. And it was unbearable silence the last time they did it. Right. And here they go. They're about to do it again. I'm like... You you almost got your ass whooped last time you did this joke. And here you are about to do it again. Yeah, I mean, some people are just delusional. Yeah. Too. That's a whole other problem. But <laughs> For sure. I guess I, when I brought up that whole free speech issue, I mean, I think some of that is coming from highly capable comedians or comedians that have been doing it for a long time. The what? As well. This defending themselves okay, using yeah. free speech. Right. It it keeps popping up, and that's why I wrote about it. Mm-hmm. So is inevitably, you know, there was that whole situation with Lil Duval, and so he defended himself because of free speech. What did he say? I don't remember he, that. He it was on the Breakfast Club, and he said on there that uh, if he was dating a woman... And then the woman told him she used to be a man. Okay. He would kill her on the spot. So first of all, all right. like if you're a comedian, I don't know what was going on. Like if they thought that was a f- was funny in general, I'm like, right. that's not even funny to begin with. Right. Let alone it does totally disregard the amount of uh, homicides that have occurred towards the transgender community. It's okay. Yeah. So that, and so that's the thing. And this was all part of another thing where they invited uh, someone transgender onto the show a week before. Okay. Where she talked about her book. And 
despite again we're back to morning radio right despite this being a morning radio show and they certainly had made disparaging jokes right. about the transgender community she saw this as an opportunity to reach the black community as well as these radio show hosts yeah. and being more open-minded about it right then a week later this dude is saying that stuff it, because basically they referenced her book like that's what brought showed, it up yeah they showed yeah. him a photo of her Right, doesn't and she look good? That, yeah, yeah, so yeah. then all of a sudden she's getting a bunch of tweets or whatever, and she got embroiled in this. But that's the thing. All he had to do was just go, look, you don't even have to apologize. You should, because you're a public figure, and that's inf- what we have to do now. Right. But all you have For to do is career. go, look, I didn't have a knowledge about this community and these issues right. and what's a major issue here. So... You know, I I didn't mean what I was saying. It was in the throat. It's live radio, too. Yes. That stuff other people need to understand is sometimes that's a diff- whole difficult thing. Right. But instead, he just kept being like, no, it's my freedom of speech. I'm going to defend my freedom of speech. Right. That's what I believe. To some degree, okay, great. For sure. We now know who you are. Yes. And you're not backing down from what you believe in. But Do you want to stand by this point? Right. Yeah. Like... It, again, like I said, man, it's really complicated. It's a really complicated issue because we want if if you if you want progress, then yeah. this isn't how you go about doing it. What exactly? Basically, say like that just, shaming. Well, who who's shaming who? I'm saying you have. I think Little Duval got defensive because he was being shamed. And I think, because I think it's a vicious cycle. I think he gets defensive and he says, no, I have this right to free speech. I don't want to back down. I want to, I don't want to give you the satisfaction of saying I'm ashamed because they're coming at him, not with an, not with the tone of what's, why do you feel this way? But it's a tone of like, you're a piece of shit. Fuck you. Why, how could you say such a thing? So now it's aggressive. Sure. So we have this like, oh boy, let's get him. Let's ease here. Yeah, and know? that's a whole other problem. Yeah. So the, the, the whole freedom of speech thing yeah. all around is terrible. The manner in which people are communicating with each other is all messed up. That's the thing. If you just... Because, uh, like, these aren't topics that should be battled out between each other in 140 characters. Right. And that's where he's defending his free speech because a ton of people via Twitter are like yelling at him or Instagram or right. whatever. So how is this the right way to be communicating with each other about a really deep A real topic? nuanced subject. Yeah, that we're all yeah. still frankly learning about. Right. Um so even now us talking about it, there's a lot to it and and I was just using that as an example because yeah. that was happening at the time I wrote what I wrote. Right. But in six months, this is going to happen again. Like, yeah. in the same way it happened with, like, Kathy Griffin and Donald Trump's head, which, again, is not even comedy. It's I think just it a was comedian. supposed to be. I don't know what it was supposed to be. I looked at it more as just art, some sort of artistic right. expression. Which I don't think was particularly effective even as that. No, I think, and I think what about this? I think people need to be given the opportunity to honestly explain themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think more than anything, with both cases, okay? 
um, freedom of speech, I think we should all, I think everyone's afraid of their freedom of speech. Everyone's afraid to say things because they're afraid of the ramifications. I think just ultimately you should have the freedom of speech. You shouldn't worry about censoring yourself because we should all give you the right to say, what were you thinking when you took that picture? What were you thinking when you said you'd kill a transvestite? Mm-hmm. You know, do you know what I'm saying? I think that's important, but we don't do it. It's kind of on the other side of, you know. Yeah, but I think you can't, you can't have just full-on freedom of speech. Why not? We'll get too fucked up. Like, people are going to get too nuts in what they say. Meaning, like, I would probably be on the receiving end of racism, like, every day. So how do you want me to handle that? Okay, so you could you would just be verbally abused. Yeah. Just from people saying, I can say whatever I want, I'm gonna... Totally. You think people are that full of hate? Yeah. I'm white, look so at I don't our, see it as much. Look at but, what yeah. our country's at right now. Yeah. How could it not be? Uh, and it, this is... It's just, there has to be a certain degree of morals and ethics that can lead a society to still be functioning. If not, yeah. you know... You can only push me too far with words, right? And then it's gonna start exploding, right? Yeah, we can't all live on a basketball court and trash talk with each other, right? Mind you, even as they're trash talking, that's a still there's respect involved in it. At the end of the day, yeah, they're not gonna kill each other unless they really dislike each other, right? Or it goes a little too far. There's a context to it, right? There's still a there's still even a structure and an ethics to trash talking on a basketball court, too. Right. There's lines you don't cross with that. Yeah, you don't say I right. had Otherwise, sex with like, your mom yeah, if you really did have, someone did have, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's certain things you can say I had sex with your mom unless it's someone whose mom's like had sex with everyone on the court. Then it's <laughs> like, hey, don't bring that up now. Yeah. Because I'm sensitive about <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. And we've seen a couple incidents where like, Fights happen as a result of that, too. Yeah. So, like, Mallow and Garnett or right. Zidane in the World Cup. Yeah. So, that's what I'm saying. Those, on that very small level, I just think it would be a real problem. I think... So, there has to... I don't... See, this is the thing. When I'm supportive of freedom of speech, obviously, yeah. I'm a comedian. Yeah. But I also don't know what these big pound-on-the-table freedom of speech people are expecting or wanting either. Yeah. You know what it is? There's really that pounding on the table, that demanding, I can say whatever I want. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a reality that they don't realize. It's like, you can say whatever you want, but you're going to be shamed. Mm-hmm. I think even people... But you could be killed, too. What? For... For saying grab her by the pussy or or something equivalent, I'm gonna kill a transvestite. Yeah. Or flippantly, something that's not a real violent threat, but like I don't like transvestites are an abomination. Let's take that. Like you can say that. You have your freedom of speech, but understand socially the rest of us don't feel that way. So I think it kind of polices itself because we're all going to you can say whatever you want. You can you have the freedom to be a scummy person. So you have that freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want. You can show people, I'm scummy. Mm -hmm. But understand, we're not 
and we don't like that, and we're going to treat you differently because we don't think you're a good person. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So I think that's, I think the demand is to say, hey, don't shame me. You know? Let me be a part of your society, but also be, you know? Sure. I, I don't know, man. This is still super heavy because if you allow it, I, I just, then it's like, where does it stop? Who's like, allowing where, what, though? My point is, in your ideal of what you just said. Okay. Then people could say truly whatever they want to say. Let's say, and I'm okay. just saying, I might kill a person if that happens, okay. or a person might kill me. True. Okay. Here's what because we're talking about like if we're just gonna talk about race. Yeah. Like that. That could easily happen, man. Like there's only so far I could be pushed in verbal assaults. There's also like the whole intimidation factor of somebody verbally assaulting me and then all of a sudden it becomes a physical assault. True. Because a verbal assault can work you up to the point where you just snap. Right. And get physical. Right. Actually. Both ways. For sure. Definitely. Both sides of it. Yeah. That's a good point. That is true. That's something I don't, you don't really think about. Like, sure, say whatever you want. Just don't, you know, swing your arms as far as someone else's face is. But that's a good point. We kind of talked about this um, on another podcast, but we were talking about, I forget, the guy that got drafted by the Bengals. I don't remember what his name is, but anyway, he he hit a girl in the face. Yeah. He was in college. Mixon, I think. Yeah, Joe Mixon. Yeah. And I was talking, I was like, there's, because that girl was calling him the N word, Mm. was like provoking him to the point, and he just punched her in the face. Right. So I think that does kind of prove your point. It's like, yeah, at some point, yeah, I don't think that's the best example. No, I think it's a great example. <laughs> not, well, yeah, but I'm not like, oh, yeah. Just, you're not just defending get, him. It's good to punch a woman yeah, in the face. Yeah, like, no. no, I know you're not saying that. Yeah, but. no. What, I, again, yeah, I don't know the that whole circumstance. But, yeah, all I'm saying is that a full-out everybody has a buffet to do whatever they want right. with what they say. Yeah. There are a lot of ramifications that are going to come from that. True. It's it's the that's like me just like okay, I'm I don't can I just go into my office and stick my dick in the coffee pot? You know, where does it right. stop? I could claim that's my freedom of speech in some <laughs> bizarre way, you know. Yeah, I know. Where your in, you're infringing or, yeah. on other people's rights right. and livelihood. And the manner in which, you know, they exist. So good point. It, it it's problematic when you open that door too far. Yes. But I'll say that I understand the other side's realm in it. But they're they're getting too. Both sides are just too crazy right now. For sure. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. And you just have to go. You have to go, hey, it's good that we have freedom of speech, but also you can't get offended at even the smallest of things. Right. And if there is something wrong, just try to bring it up in a pretty normal way. Now, I've brought up stuff in normal ways and had people still not learn anything from yeah, some it. people are just like they and don't then what yeah. right well what are you gonna do then right so 
that's a whole other element to things. Yeah, I don't know. I think there are, I think... I mean, but, and just to get it back to comedy. Yeah. Because I think comedy at least prides itself off of this idea that there's free speech in it. Or okay. that anything within the context of a comedy show, it's kind of fair game, right? Right. As it should be for the most part. Yeah. But I do think there's a responsibility on the comedian to really value the free speech that they have. Yes. So you have to have an ownership of that and have to, I guess, acknowledge that you... We are in a special moment where there's something that you can say on a stage that you couldn't necessarily say you know, just in a normal conversation. Yeah. Nevertheless, what you still say on a stage has to be funny. Has to be funny. Yeah. It has to be at least showing that you have a knowledge and compassion of what you're talking about, too. Right. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Just Louis C.K. can say the N-word, but there was a really great joke and point to what he was doing. Right. As opposed to the numerous open micers I've seen drop it. Oh, my god. And gosh. just go, you just don't like black people, probably. Or you have some problem. I think even and worse, it's just like, I wanted to see if I could. Yeah. Which is messed up in a whole other way. Yeah. It is, but you're right, though, because it's, it's being able to convey intention, you know? And that's what's so difficult. Right. You know, if I, like, if I were to say the N-word, it would just be me being like, ooh, can I get away with it? Am I cool? Am I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to do something I know is wrong. Right. And for me, it would be like, dude, you shouldn't have said that. That's belittling. It's not your, you know, because it wouldn't be. I know myself. And if I were to say that, it'd be like, no, you're just trying to get away with something, which is really kind of gross, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I don't by, know. It's funny because by saying the N word, we're just reaffirming Louis C.K.'s joke about it. But I also don't feel comfortable at all saying that. I okay. <laughs> I disagree with that. I disagree uh, with that his joke. That premise. His premise. Because I don't think I think me saying the me saying the N word mm -hmm. is me having reverence to the fact that. I, as a white person, am not allowed to say that because of what it means historically. Right. And the fact that it is a privilege that is given to those who have been called, a, called it out of hate for so long. Me, as a white person, and having experienced everything I've experienced in my life, I, it is not my right and is something I should revere for those who have had to earn the right to put it into their vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And I think it's me saying the N-word, it's almost embarrassing for me to be like, I can't say it. You have that power. That's a power that they have to say. And it's something they have over me to shame me for saying. And I think that's the way it should be. Because mm -hmm. if I were to say, do you know, does that make any know, sense? You keep bringing up like shame. And that, weird, that word makes me feel weird. Why? Because I don't. I don't understand how you're using it. Like, because shaming, I'm not shame. Like, I'm not shaming you because you. I don't. I just don't understand what you're getting at with it. Like, you just. You're not allowed to use it. Okay. Not because. Oh, we're gonna shame you for even saying it. Okay. 
it's because you're acknowledging like the history involved in that word and that literally white people use that word to denigrate black people right at a time period in this country's history where black people were slaves or thought of as less than human right so literally it's like if a white person says it, it's not like we shame you now for that it's literally like you have no fucking idea about your own history and you're trying to put me at the same level as what we once were in the past right uh, i'm speaking as a black person yeah, which i'm yeah. not yeah. but so that's And there's just so much that comes with that word because of that. There's no way that's not being used by a white person to not belittle a black person. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So, right. So, I'm I'm saying it's not a matter of, like, the person who says it should now be shamed for it. They should just have the awareness of, you can't do that for a reason. Right. And if you don't even understand what that reason is which is happening now with our current state of affairs in this country, is like, I don't know how to help you. I don't know why you consistently are defending a history that is not pleasant. Right. You have to face up with that history, much as all of us of other races mm-hmm. have to face up with, with our race's history and culture's history. Yes, and I think you would... I guess what I'm saying to shame, I'm saying... To see that person who is oblivious to history and oblivious to current culture, mm-hmm. um, let's call them ignorant. Let's not call them hateful. Let's just say they're ignorant. Right. I think shaming would be the idea of looking down on someone and saying, you're, you're saying, hey, this doesn't fit into our culture. That idea of like, this is, you're hurting people and we, me, I think what you did was wrong. It was the bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. Shame on you. Okay. <laughs> you should feel bad so you don't do this again. Right. I but, think that's what I'm saying. But you're also saying that too many people have been shaming people, so now they're reacting. I think it's a powerful thing. And I think you need to wield your shame carefully. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I get where you're going. Yeah. Entirely. I don't think shaming's wrong. No, no. In the way you're using it, yeah. I get entirely what you're saying. It's it's a weird time, man. Have you ever had comedy or just life? I think it's, I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into it. I honestly think it's such a boring time in history that this is what we're, this is where it's like real points of contention come in. I think, mm-hmm. like, historically, it's been in, like, wars and people fighting and people dropping bombs and people, like, murdering men, women, and children. Yeah. But currently, like, we're now, like, can I say tranny? You know, that's, yeah, you like, can. the real... I can't. I know. I'll censor that. I, I'm going to censor <laughs> that because I know people will be mad. You can also edit out this whole first 30 minutes. If you want. Oh, no, it's going. <laughs> uh, that's, I, I think... Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, I think we're at a point in history where this, like, well, words hurt, but, like, so do bombs. And there were, like, in the, you know, during World War II, we were dropping bombs all over Germany, you yeah, know? Yeah, and there's just a massive amount of information 
which means there's also a lot of uselessness being thrown out there on a daily basis True. that people then just cling to yeah. and get angry about or debate about. Yeah. And that's a whole other problem. So when you're talking about some of these things, it's kind of like, okay, was it really worth us getting, was it really worth you getting really mad about this topic you care right. about that's this little minute thing that right. really doesn't matter in the grander scheme of things? Yeah. I think you're kind of bored today is probably it. Ooh. And it came up. And that's a lot of our problem is we're pretty fixated on these news feeds yeah and what might pop up that anybody could bring up anything and all of a sudden it becomes a firestorm we see enough of it within comedy right let alone on a bigger level with what our society is now i think yeah and that's totally what you said is entirely right though it's boredom we're watching the news feed yeah waiting to get pissed yeah and people are getting addicted to it too it's very obvious you think so yeah totally people are just waiting on what the what trump's gonna do now yeah that and uh or in comedy i can see plenty of comedians that just seem addicted to their feeds whether it be posting or commenting or expressing anger over whatever is the angry thing of the day yeah and it's just to me it's not healthy no i've tried to you know you have to interact with social media if only to as just a comedian and being a part of it right or just being a part of society for what it is right now but i think to get too deep into it it totally emotionally affects you i think yeah i think for sure and given that negative energy and getting back to what we were talking about and understanding your audience too yeah sometimes i see things comedians post and i'm just like do you not like no one outside of comedians cares about whatever you're angry about right now so to just you know i i'm friends with coworkers of mine yeah you know people from columbus who are of a you know of a different generation or whatever so if i'm sitting there talking about the angry thing of the day comedians are talking about right you know what do they care what do they they don't even know what i'm talking about right so why would i put that out there and why what benefit is that it's also not funny yeah probably not i mean that's a whole other thing too where you know you're entitled to approach your social media or your facebook page personally however way you want to yeah but i yeah when you're super angry or super political yeah and i kind of just know you a little like if i'm just a person i just know you're a comedian right all of a sudden i'm just like why would i want to go see your show right you're just like screaming at me about (laughs) anything and seem really mad like all the time i'm seeing your post it's negativity yeah it doesn't it wouldn't make me feel motivated to go see that person's comedy right but again i don't i don't know everybody seemingly it feels like a lot of people are doing it yeah but i think it's easy it's easy to to be mad and it's difficult to be funny and i think 
sometimes people think, oh, being, being, I can, as a comedian, I can either be mad or be funny, and being mad is far easier. Yeah, maybe, or, or they've just <clears throat> succumbed to everybody being mad, and they're mad also. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, we're I'm judging in, the motivations of other people. Yeah, but, or I don't know yeah. what those motivations are. I mean, it's important. I'm glad you care. But if yeah. you do care, then there should be some awareness of what what am I doing or what's my goal behind what I'm doing. Right. So that's why, I mean, honestly, I, I write the stuff that I write and post those. I mean, it's a blog, but they're like essays to yeah. me. And I post that stuff, first of all, because people have told me they read it and they, they've sent me messages about right. it and stuff like that. So otherwise, if no one was reading it, I wouldn't waste my time. Yeah. But it's worthwhile, it seems. And I do it because something comes up. This is something I think about in depth. Right. And to me, it's not just something you just knee-jerk reaction post about or you try to tweet about. Right. It's like, this is a topic that has a lot of depth to it. Yeah. So I need to write out something fuller with it. Now, we're in a time period where... It almost takes a lot for a person just to click on a link, right? Like as they're sliding through their newsfeed. Yeah. So I'm aware of that, but the type of people that I be, want to be reading this stuff are the people that are willing to do that and then read that. And well, those think, are the type of people that I want to be coming out to my comedy shows, also too. Interesting, because what you brought up was like the fact that you said I want people. I like it when people contact me about the blog posts I write. Mm -hmm. I like it when people like give me their opinion on what I said mm -hmm. and you write with the intention of people saying, Hey, here's how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. When I think a lot of times people write with the intention of I'm angry. Here's my negative energy. Take it on yourself. Right. Rather than say, I, this is how I feel. This is what I've noticed. This has been my experience. This is what I've read. What have you guys read? How do you guys feel? Right. You know, I think that's the difference. Yeah. And uh, I try to write not with a sense of anger or or that yeah. I'm coming off in a certain way that would make people angry. Right. I'm trying to express my point, but at the same time, being open-minded enough to, you know, take whatever criticism or whatever opposing views might be there. Right. I haven't gotten a lot of those. In fact, what the opposing views have felt like the people didn't actually read what I wrote. Right. You know, or bad. they didn't fully. Yeah. yeah they They're didn't not there to learn, man. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, it's, that's what you'll get with this. But yeah, I don't, I wish there was, there's stuff like that out there, obviously. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we're trying to hit on some topics real quickly and as we're scrolling through it and i mean honestly i sometimes i just go i don't understand how this is helping right anything how is this advancing the cause how is it making anybody you know have a worthwhile conversation or maybe change their perspective i don't yeah i don't know i think it's a, i think i think that's <clears throat> really poignant because i think that's what people need to ask themselves when they do anything when they're expending some sort of negative energy they need to ask themselves like 
what's what what am I doing here? What am I doing here that's going to change the thing that I'm worked up about? Mm-hmm. How is this going to promote action on the fact that Trump's backing out of the climate change agreement, for instance? Right. Like I'm just mad. How do I how do I better things? Right. Is this just putting out more negative energy? That that's contagious, you know? Yeah. And that's where I don't know what people might be doing or not doing, but I just, I don't know. It's What's happening right now is not the best approach. And I can also say to kind of bring it back to comedy, where over the time I've done it, I think I walked in with this idea, again, knowing that audiences weren't necessarily... I'd never necessarily even met an Indian person or got to know him that well. Mm-hmm. That, okay, here I had this opportunity to make people laugh and at the same time maybe make them meet an Indian person, get a better idea of yeah. Indian culture, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, and whether that actually worked or not, I have no idea. You know, I think people certainly said some... Uh, ignorant stuff to me after shows even after watching my show and laughing at it right so they didn't fully get it Mm -hmm. Uh, which is always which was a whole other danger too of where the people are laughing but are they laughing with you are they laughing at you Mm -hmm. and at indian people so my point being i think i too got to a point where i really enjoy Doing comedy, making people laugh. Yeah. But am I really doing something that noble? Am I really changing minds? Am I really doing anything along those levels that I think some comedians bring up as believing they're doing? Yeah. I I don't know that I ever really have. I think I've done a lot of good to make people laugh and to make people feel happier in their lives for that given night. And I also think for, because I know this as before I ever did comedy, of just at least being uh, like an Indian kid and finding uh, another Indian person's art, like relatable. Right. Or uh, another Asian's or a black person's or whoever. Yeah. So I know I've done that for those communities, Mm -hmm. and that's worthwhile. Yeah. But I don't... So it's in the end, it's kind of like I'm at this weird point where I'm just going, is comedy just there to make people laugh? Okay. And entertain them. Great. But in changing anything, I feel like it's only just there to make people who can connect with it relate more and bond with it. But is it really going to change somebody who, you know already had their convictions in their mind about something and doesn't have the capacity to, I guess, change their mindset on something. Is that what you want to do? I I mean, I guess my idea or thought that I had when I started, which again, I was 21 and probably had really lofty ideas, Uh was that the kind of ignorance and 
just downright lack of representation of Indian people properly in entertainment, mm-hmm. that I could be part of helping to change that. In the beginning, it was just like, hey, okay, I grew up in a suburb in Cleveland, and I think whomever I interacted with thought of me well, and so hopefully that gave them a good perception of Indian people right. in general. So now I was doing this on a much different level wherever I traveled to as a comedian. Right. But did it have that impact in the same way? Maybe it couldn't have because I was only meeting these people for one night. Right. Are they really going to remember me anyway or go? I think definitely. I don't know, man. I really don't know. There's no, there's no statistics that I could walk away from from almost 11 years of doing this and saying like, oh, yeah, you, you made people... Right, of course like, not. I mean, ta- like, it's a time period where I started, you know, still, like, at the time I started, the Axis of Evil comedy tour was happening. Right. So you've got these really good comedians trying to go out there and represent yeah. visuals that you'd think of, oh, those are terrorists in some parts of the country. Right. And trying to do comedy and connect with people that way. Yeah. And I question if that all worked, given where we're at right now. So yeah. that, that's my point in where I'm asking, if we're looking to comedy as some sort of bigger thing, Yeah, is it really? And I don't know if you heard Malcolm Gladwell's podcast on satire. Yeah, that was the last one of last season. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of started this all for me. After I listened to that and reflected some more. And even like Chappelle's return too. Yeah. Like on SNL, I started to think more about like, does any of that really matter? Or, or yeah, like it doesn't. Can, can you, uh, can, you know, when Gladwell's talking about. Colbert does and that yeah the people who don't like Fox News are laughing right but the people who do like Fox News are also like agreeing and laughing yeah then this is just this isn't accomplishing what it's supposed to be accomplishing well it is in that they're everybody's entertained I guess but is it changing anything right yeah that was a good one and I do I think I don't know I think on on that aspect I think I I feel this way about uh, Donald Trump. Mm. I think if Donald Trump is who he is and he's, um, you know, anti-immigration and he really, you know, is as evil as we think he is, Mm. it's not funny. No one should make jokes about it. Right. Because making a satire about it, it's like, oh, he's our buddy. Old Trump. Oh, man, what's he done again? Not funny. Nothing funny about it. Yeah. It's serious, and if you make light of it, it's a joke, and it's not a joke. Yeah, it's evil. Yeah. So yeah, I. I That's don't know. what the South Park guys said too. Yeah. Which their, excuse me, their podcast on uh, Bill Simmons was really good too. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I felt too. When when they talked about that type of thing, and and I've not ever uttered Trump's name on stage, and I right. wrote a whole thing about that too. About yeah, 
Trump jokes. But It'll plug your blog at the end. I yeah, guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But these are the stuff I think about because I look at the landscape of everything and I look at my own experiences and then I just write about it related to that. And I think, I feel like the landscape is a majority of comedians now do think they will change something. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I think via their comedy in certain ways. And then in other ways, I think they've taken on these roles of using their social media to get angry about politics or try to change things politically. Yeah, it's misguided. Yeah, perhaps. It's whatever. That's their choice. Yeah. But I guess I'm in a realm now where I hope when I perform, I can make people laugh and, you know, change their minds about whatever stereotypes or misconceptions they might have. Right. But I also am understanding that that, that's not the driving force behind why I'm doing this anymore, I guess. That expectation. Of changing that was a the world. Very, yeah. It was a very, like, 21-year-old me. Right. Excited to be doing comedy in my first year. Now you do it long enough, and you analyze it enough, and you, you know, look at all the shows you did or the audiences you've done it for, and you kind of go, I don't really know that that happened. Yeah. So even something as amazing as Master of None... Yeah. From my perspective, I go, this is fantastic that this exists. These are the types of stories that I never thought, like, we've never had that before. It's groundbreaking to me in a certain way. That's why his uh, episode about his parents struck so well, because so many immigrant, kids of immigrants could relate to that. Right. Right. And we'd never really seen that on TV before. So we're all relating to it. Yeah. But does, you know, any of the people I went to school with uh, who grew up in the suburbs of Cleveland with, like, white parents, their fourth, fifth generation, do they even understand it or care? I have no clue. Like, that's where I'm going. Is some of this amazing stuff that's being created just making people feel good who can relate to it which is great that still serves an excellent purpose yeah but is it doing anything more than beyond that i think as a i mean i might as well be one of those fifth generation white kids in cleveland right indiana but i think it does have a like that like one where he's like eating pork Mm -hmm. like that there's similar things i do culturally around my parents that i've had to just be like hey sometimes i say fuck and it might as well be the same thing. Right. And it's just one of those cultural... So, yeah, I could relate to it. Okay. You know? I think people can. But I think even more so, I think if it's more specific, it obviously means more. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and I guess... I don't know. It's still... It's a much bigger medium to try to put that stuff out there than... Yeah. A one-nighter where I'm doing 30 minutes or something. Still, man, <laughs> one thing I think you do well, though, is, and I think this is good, if you're trying to, if you're really trying to be like, hey, I'm a normal guy, here's my experience, I think you do a really good job of not selling out your culture. Yeah. You do a good job just being sumac, yeah. you know, you just kind of, you're very authentic, because it'd be very easy for you to just sell out your, your culture and like, get a bunch of dumb white folks like me laughing at a funny accent. Right. So I think 
like I was listening to your album the other day. I'm like, it's just authentically, you're just a person, mm-hmm. you know, which I think you do a good job of. And I know it's probably hard to have that perspective being you, you know, yeah, I guess. But so. well, there's still time I could always sell out. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's always there. Yeah. People will always laugh. So, yeah. And I mean, other than, I mean, it's still out there, right? There's still mm-hmm. like successful Indian people in comedy or, or yeah, a lot like YouTube stars yeah. or whatever that are still doing that. Yeah. So it has its market and, you know, that's up to them as to their decision to do that. But I... It never was appealing to me, and I think it just came from kind of the experiences that I had growing up. Yeah. And realizing, yeah, I don't want to do that having this being a representative of my race that way. But I've had disagreements with other Indian people even over that, Mm -hmm. where they don't take it as seriously as I do. But I also go, but yeah, you're not going up on a stage and doing it. Right. You're just doing it jokingly among friends here or whatever. That's a different story to to everything. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I think you'd have a different reaction if it was just you and a bunch of strangers and you're doing it and they were laughing at you more than with you and getting it, you know. Right, because when you're on stage, you're more just, you know, you're really, you're putting yourself out in a way that you could have avoided, but you didn't. Yeah. You consciously chose to be like, and just, you know, being your race, you you are representing, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't avoid that. Yeah, no. You can't. That's where the other thing when I see people, whatever race it might be, like trying to avoid it, like you just can't. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. unfortunately, these are the circumstances of society. They see you that way. I think it's easier and, now, though, to avoid it. Go yeah, on. Sorry. Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. I think it's weird to say this, but like you grow up in an environment where you're in like a predominantly white community. So, of course, like you're growing up in there, so you have no choice but kind of to be influenced by that. But at the same time, you're also trying to survive in it. Yeah. So it's like, I wasn't really super excited to be trying to be really Indian or anything, right. you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you. Only now, later in life, have I been like, this is really important to be representative of it or to even learn more about my culture. Yeah. Or still kind of play a little bit of an active role in like my Hindu upbringing and yeah. faith and stuff, even though I'm not the most religious person. Mm-hmm. Just kind of caring about it. You right. Know? Because I do think, again, like I, you haven't, I just feel like for, and again, comedy played a role in that too, where it's just like I'm representing mm-hmm. this group yeah in front of a lot of people who don't know a lot about that group yeah and that carries over into the fact i'm confused for so many other races or other faiths too right so i still have to care about muslims buddhists you know arab americans 
Right. Yeah. No, yeah, I feel that. I think, I mean, it's not, it's honestly, I mean, it's obviously not your responsibility to represent anyone. You don't, but at the same time, like as human beings, that's what we do. We look at I I meet you. You go into the category of Indian dudes. <laughs> so the next Indian dude, I'm like probably like Suma a little uh, bit, you know. Yeah, I guess so. it's not yeah. right, but that's what it does. No, so. and there's not unless you're growing up in a highly populated Indian community in the U.S. Yeah. No, I mean usually you're in school with a handful of them at the most. Yeah. You know? So your perception then becomes from the ones that you met. Right. And what little kind of knowledge you gained from that. Yeah. That's why even at a young age, like I said, I felt like I had to be responsible for educating my peers about stuff. Right. And I wasn't the most, clearly not the most capable person to be doing that because I'm a kid. Right, you're a child. I don't fully fully understand it or get it. I feel like when I was a kid, I didn't really think about that, though. Like, I had black friends and Mexican friends and stuff. I don't even think I ever thought about... Sorry. You know what I mean? I feel like when... I don't know. Maybe... But that was my experience. I remember, like, thinking about that. And I remember just never... I don't know. I think it's later in life when people start saying things. People start telling you about stereotypes. Right. Then you start... As a kid, I think... It's it comes off just so much more innocent, so you don't take it to heart too much, right? But I mean, even on my album, I talked about that kid calling me Apu. Yeah. Uh, so it didn't matter at the time to me; like it didn't resonate in any way. Yeah. In hindsight, you know, it was such an absurd situation that that I can turn into a joke. Right. Like I'm clearly comfortable enough with it that I can turn it into a joke and make people laugh about it. Now, I mean, people hopefully get it in the right way to go, oh, I'll, I should never just call an Indian person right. that. Yeah. That's the point behind it. Right. Not that they should jokingly do that. Yeah. 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 Which has happened. Oh, I'm sure. But I guess, uh, so there's other stuff too, like the riding elephants and all those other things. Yeah, sure. So it all comes from a place where like they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I now have to be in this role of educator to make sure they don't continue to do that right. as they progress in life. It's like, yeah, that's a lot of responsibility to explain that or to explain Hindu gods and stuff like that when I'm eight, nine years old and I'm still formulating and trying to understand it. Yeah. it's it's. I don't think it's your responsibility. I think all you can do is not perpetuate ignorance no i mean it wasn't that's what i'm saying i know it's not it i shouldn't have taken it as being my responsibility at that age right and i certainly maybe didn't entirely but i guess the point being i was in that position yeah and i don't believe that position has changed a whole bunch and in fact to me it's magnified because I do stand-up comedy now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because now I'm, to whatever extent, a public figure yeah. who stands on a stage talking Expresses his ideas. Right. Yeah. And, like, to get back to our freedom of speech thing, yeah. I think when you have that position, you have a certain uh, standard to yeah, represent. Yeah, responsibility. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely bringing it 
into the middle, not all the way back, but it is that like you have the opportunity to do these things. You're going on a stage and you got a microphone. A lot of people can hear it. It's mm-hmm. amplified. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, are you, if I just go up there and I scream the N word, that's aggressive and that is, it's just like, that's me abusing that privilege and responsibility I have. Right. You know, it's that freedom of speech, you taking the freedom of speech and using it as a weapon. Yeah, or just not even, you're not caring about it. Right. And if you, and that's, I think that's why I get, that's why I got super annoyed with it, is you're Mm -hmm. now using it as an excuse to defend yourself. Yeah. You're not truly embracing freedom of speech. Right. If you did, then you'd really care about the speech that you're freely saying. Right. You'd be more careful. Yeah, or just more respectful of it. Understanding that the people that are saying these things to you and their freedom of speech are simply trying to make you better. Now, mind you, I get it. If they're coming at you like, fuck you for saying that, I get it where you're like, why are you just screaming at me? That's a whole other problem we have. True. Where, again, like the manner in which we're delivering stuff is not appropriate. Yeah. Because if you just think about if you're walking on the street or even if you and I are interacting and we're talking about something and you're screaming at me about it, why would I feel motivated to want to change my ways? Right. Cause you're yelling at me about a topic. Right. That's not the proper way to, to get approach. somebody right to, to be understanding of you. Yeah. Certainly not just swearing at me right off the bat no. about something. I think just in biologically it invokes a response that's like you defend yourself. Right. So. so that's what's happening online, and that's why I don't think these are the places yeah. to be having yeah. worthwhile conversations totally. that could make people better. Well, it's because it rips the humanity out of the whole equation. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, now we're just, we're just these characters. Right. Yeah. And it's pretty easy to just say whatever the hell you want on there oh, that man. you wouldn't say. You're talking to a robot, yeah. for all you know. Right. Yeah. Um, do you have anything? Do you want to? I've been doing this at the end. Like your experience thus far as a person, as a comic or anything. What would you want to tell people? You could say, hey, this people need to understand this from my own experience, um, which you've kind of done a lot. But if you want to reiterate something, but something that we should people should know probably only you could really tell people uh or not only you sir no yeah i think just try i mean this is an underlying theme i guess to what we were hopefully talking about i just want people to try to be happy okay not saying you have to be happy because that's hard right given what life is yeah but just try because i don't know how much people are even trying at this point. Interesting. Uh, And if we can bring it back to comedy, yeah, I've done it long enough where I certainly went through so many ups and downs with it. Right. It still can happen too. But I got to a point where I just wanted to be happy doing it. Okay. And I feel that way now. And hopefully 
you know, still whatever personal success that I would like will happen. Right. But I think it came to a point a couple years ago where to me, what was more important was just being, continuing to be happy within it and doing it. And that's where I'm at now, rather than sitting around and being too depressed by it, uh, jealous of things, or angry about anything. And I think that's still probably uh, a part of a lot of comedians. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just was done with that. I was done with feeling that way. Yeah. So I've always been saying to people, in whatever you're doing, if you're not experiencing joy with it, yeah, then change. Yeah. Like find something else that think about what will give you that and try to pursue that because it's this isn't worth it. Yeah, this being isn't, miserable. This isn't Why worth choose it. to be? Yeah, yeah. it's not cuz trust me, there I've felt miserable many, many times right. for a long time. And so to get out of it, and I still have my battles with it, but to feel in a much more better and like peaceful and happier right. state now, uh, that's all I'd say to people from my perspective. That's awesome. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I think people get so concentrated on weird little things that they want, and then they forget to choose to be happy. Yeah. And choose like, to enjoy life. Yeah, and just realize how much you do have. Right. Uh, especially just the idea that you live in America is already What a blessing. Itself. Clean yeah. water right there. Right. You know, you didn't drink it because it's kind of dirty. <laughs> a little dirty. Yeah. Still drinkable, but yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that people don't just think about. Right. So there's a lot you have to be thankful for and yeah. don't be too negative and miserable because it's really it's really not worth it it's really not worth it to lead life that way no so try to change that have a little perspective too yeah yeah that helps yep well it's been awesome man oh good i'm glad i don't i didn't know what to expect no this was great i don't know if this was these were the topics to discuss but we did it these are ideal To plug your stuff, where can we read those sick-ass blog posts, dude? Uh, well, my website's sumukcomedy, S-U-M-U-K-H, comedy.com. Those essays are on a Tumblr, which is like sumukcomedy.tumblr.com, but the link is at my website also. Right. And Twitter, Instagram are both at sumukcomedy. And Facebook, you can look me up too, but I pretty much I don't care about that as much. Yeah, people are <laughs> the, giving up on it. Yeah, and like, I don't know. Again, we could get back to what is it really doing for comedy. Right. I don't think it's beneficial. Even it, it maybe makes people aware that shows are happening, like maybe events or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and they might be motivated then to come out. But that's about it. Uh, it's not like I try to put stuff that might make people laugh, like once every three days or right brighten people's stuff yeah but they're going through a bunch of other right (laughs) weeding through a ton of other negativity yeah trash i'm like i don't know if this what the point is so well that's your intention it's least noble yeah i guess but yeah to me like with that website you just have to interact with it in the way that you want to that'll make you happy doing it right and if you're unhappy being on that side then don't go on that side anymore yeah 
Yeah. I don't really, I don't really see its value comedy wise much anymore. Interesting. But I also realize you kind of got to be on social media to, to do this. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I think it's a... And there's positives to it, of course, right. where a lot of people reached out to me because I was on there. Yeah. In either getting shows or connecting with me, and that's valuable. You got to enjoy have it. that. That's what makes this nice. Yeah. Oh. Plug the book show. Oh, yeah. Uh, run a show in LA called Laughter House Five at Book Show. The next show is September 14th, if this is coming out before then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then, sure. yeah, it's uh, a Thursday every month, usually like the second or third Thursday. I'm also starting to run an open mic there, if you didn't know that. Yes, so I a did. A couple, couple times a month, which is nice. looking like Tuesdays for the next couple months. Cool. So that's good. It's an enjoyable show in Highland Park. And yeah. Right on. Well, thanks a lot, Sumac. Yeah, thanks, Joey. All right. Say goodbye to everyone. It's the thing I'm doing now. Oh, okay. <laughs> goodbye. All right. Later.